Hey everybody, how's it going? I'm Chase Jarvis. Welcome to another episode of the new and improved Chase Jarvis Live Show. This is where I sit down with the world's top creatives, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders and unpack actionable, valuable insights to help you live your dreams in career, hobby, and in life. Today's guest is none other than the Mr. Mark Cuban. Mark is one of the most famous and recognizable entrepreneurs on the planet. He sold his first company at age 29, his second one at age 39 for $5.7 billion, that's billion with a B, to Yahoo. Uh, he's the outspoken owner of the Dallas Mavericks. He owns Magnolia Pictures, a lot of other things, and you guys will definitely recognize him as the star of ABC's Shark Tank. And wow, do we go there in this episode. Now, I've known Mark for a little while. We've had a couple of late nights drinking wine. But this conversation was different because Mark really goes there. In this conversation, you'll take away some stories from him that are not really widely known. Uh, You'll certainly see some of his strong beliefs come through. And then we really get into what makes Mark tick and why he's different than a lot of other entrepreneurs. You've heard me talk about being different, not just better. You get to see that really clearly here with Mark. He certainly has some controversial opinions, but again, that's it's in that controversy that you'll get to learn a lot about Mark and I think take the most away from this conversation. And he's a really great guy. In truth, you know, I think he gets edited in the Shark Tank world to look sort of like a tough guy jerk. But uh, in in my experience and the experience of so many of my friends, he's not that at all. And, and you, that'll come through in our conversation. He's a great guy, super sharp, likable, and gives a ton of great really actionable, valuable advice. I cannot wait for you guys to listen to our conversation. But before we get into the show, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Creative Live. Creative Live is the world's largest hub for online creative education. Education in photo, video, art design, music and audio, and the ability to make a living and a life in those disciplines. It's the highest quality, highly curated classes taught by the world's top experts. We're talking Pulitzer Prize winners, Oscar winners, Grammy Award winners, New York Times bestselling authors, and the best entrepreneurs of our time. Names like Richard Branson, Mark Cuban, Ariana Huffington are on the platform. And you get classes taught from guys like Tim Ferriss, Lewis Howes, uh, Ramit Sethi. Again, I could list uh, a thousand other names of the top photographers, designers, musicians, the best in class. You get it. Now, right now, if you're familiar with me and my work, you might be saying, well, wait a minute. Isn't that a company that you started, Chase? Well, yes, it is. In fact, Creative Live makes this entire podcast possible. And in fact, all of my longstanding Chase Jarvis Live shows. Creative Live has millions of students around the world. More than 2 billion minutes of education have been consumed on that video platform. So, you know, that's a little bit of the sort of the what and the how behind Creative Live. But here's the why, which I think is so critical. Creative Live exists to help you live your dreams in career, hobby, and life. In short, I started Creative Live with a bunch of really committed friends because we saw a a big need in the world. We wanted to help our peers and friends and, and folks out there in the world transition to new careers, live new dreams, take the leap, if you will, into an entirely different sort of direction where you can leave that job, maybe your job with the man, and strike out on your own. I also saw my peers in the photo and design world needing to sort of up their skills and get ahead. And I saw friends who were happily working at great companies but wanted to pursue their hobby to a next level that you know might someday parlay into a side hustle. So we built that platform. Uh, these classes at Creative Live are the most highly and authentically produced of any of the online video platforms you'll experience. The top experts, it's all shot with 48 cameras, all in HD, beautifully presented and accessible on desktop, tablet, mobile. You know I stand for quality and that's what Creative Live uh, puts out. 
To that end, I have also taken it upon myself to curate a handful of my very favorite classes and mix them in with some of the top performing classes on Creative Live. And I'll bake that into a landing page called creativelive.com slash hustle just for you. This community listens to our podcast here. So you should go there and you should check that out as a special thank you for being a podcast listener. If you find a class that you love, either from the ones that I've curated or elsewhere on the site, and you want to buy it, during checkout, enter the code CHASER. That's my name plus an R, just C-H-A-S-E-R. And do that during checkout, and you'll get 25% off your order. Uh, I think that's awesome, and I hope you do too. So thanks very much for checking it out. Let me know what you think. Now, that's it for the sponsors. Uh, Now, let's get into the show and join me in conversation with Mark Cuban. Mark, thank you so much. My pleasure, Chase. I think I, I, I did you wrong on the intro. You're aging me. I'm aging fast enough. I don't 29 and 39? Yeah. yeah. Four years it took you to sell a company for $5.7 billion. $5.7 yeah, billion. it was just, I mean, we basically started the streaming industry. Um, broadcast. You know, it was not broadcast.com. It was AudioNet when we started it, and we just did audio, and then because we did video as well, and we streamed the first everything, um, then we had to change it to something that accompanied video, so sure. broadcast.com. And boom. Huge yeah. deal. Well, yeah. give me the, I mean, I think a lot of the people in the universe know pieces of you. A lot of, obviously, Shark Tank's really, right. really been good for your personal brand. But give us a little bit of backstory. I know uh, from what I know about you, we've, we've drank some wine together before. Bit. We've had some time together. But uh, start out, like, early age, what got you started? Yeah, was, was it I've always blood? been driven, right? I've always been about from selling baseball cards, doing selling garbage bags door to door. You name it. If I could make money at it, I, I kind of figured it out. Um, went to Indiana University, um, started a bar before I was 21, got busted for underage drinking, that ended that. <laughs> you wouldn't just go to it, like some of us just went to bars before we were 20. You started right, one. I started one, right? Um, and then after Indiana, I went down to Dallas, got a job at a software store, taught myself how to code, um, got fired from that job, started a systems integration company back when local area networks were, no one had even thought of them. So while everybody else was just worried about PCs and software, I was connecting networks and writing multi-user applications and you know wrote the first purchase order system that was used by a Walmart vendor, um, integrated video and still images into um, a database so that Zales wouldn't have to keep expensive watches in a safe. So I wrote all these apps and I sold that company to CompuServe, which is part of H&R Block. Bought a lifetime pass in American Airlines, partied like a rock star, <laughs> got really, really good at it. Um, that's a trait that I've continued on with. Um, then said I was retired and just you know took acting classes, acted in a bunch of B movies and commercials. Ooh, ooh. Oh yeah, the, but I bought them out so they would never be out there. That's the honest to God truth. So you would never find them. Um, you know, did episodes of Walker Texas Ranger in, in Dallas, um, and then it was um, mid '90s and the internet was just starting to happen. And, you know, basketball in Indiana is really big. And so we used to listen to Indiana basketball games by having somebody put a radio next to a speakerphone. And so then we would sit on the other side with the speakerphone, drinking beers and listening to the games. And, you know, that was really the only way to get them. And there wasn't the regional sports networks, the Big Ten networks and all that stuff. Um, So I'm like, wait, this Internet stuff, right? It's a network of networks. And I was a local area networking guy. You know, I, I don't think people realize that my background was in writing multi-user applications on networks. And so I was like, okay, let's figure this go. out. Yeah. And so we started originally trying to write our own code. Then we started integrating from a company called Zing and Progressive Networks. And all, you know, my, then Microsoft came along and we started integrating all these different pieces. And so once we got the audio to work, um, and here's a little sideline, the, the first audio streaming 
right? I mean, we did the first of everything. What we used to do was take eight-hour VCR tapes and connect them to radio stations and connect them to radios and record them on eight-hour VCR and then take the output of the audio and encode them on a PC, like a 90 megahertz Packard Bell PC. And that's how we started the whole streaming thing, and then it just blew up. I mean, we... we um, I taught my, you know, like everybody else, taught myself HTML, set up a, a um, web server on Netscape, and it was called AudioNet.com, and we just started going on um, CompuServe forums, whatever, and saying, look, if you're into Dallas sports, if you're into sports, go to AudioNet, download this app, and listen, and tell me what you think. And then, bam! And then it was, the coolest part was, like, the radio stations we were streaming started getting calls from all over the, the world. Like, I'm listening to my local sports radio station. This was long before I bought the mask. And there's a dude who calls from the Aleutian Islands. I'm like, what the fuck the Aleutian Islands, right? And I'm like, we got something here. This is going to be something special. We were talking about that before. Uh, If you're an entrepreneur and you're wondering if your stuff is cracking, if you have to ask the question, it's not. So put your head down and go back to work. Exactly right. If people are calling you from the Aleutian Islands begging for your service, that means (laughs) you you know something's going on, right? And then all of a sudden, you know, we were a top... 25 website and everybody was writing about us and everybody couldn't get enough of us and that got us attention um, and I had funded it with myself and some buddies um, and I wrote the first $75,000 check because I had money from um, when I sold my last company sure. and then I had built up the company from them um, or built up and made more money in the market from there and so it just blew up. It was amazing. Well, there's a, a lot of things that got you even from there to where you're, you're sitting on yeah, the couch yeah, with us, for sure. Yeah, and then after I sold broadcast, obviously I bought the map, started um, the first all-definition, all-high-definition TV network. I mean, people don't realize that when I started a company called HDNet in 2000, and um, back then no one knew what high-definition was, right? The only place that you saw high-definition was you know, on these $25,000 TVs that were these big monstrosities. And everybody was like, why would you start a high-definition television network? Those TVs are never going to be cheaper, never going to be affordable, never going to be in homes. I'm like, bro, you don't get it. High-def is going to be everywhere, right? It's all digital. It's going to follow the same price-performance curve. And so um, we've had, now we it's Access TV, and it's been profitable for 15 years and been running that. But... It was the first all high-definition TV network, and that's just kind of what I've tried to do, just try to stay ahead of technology um, and just try to play that technology curve into businesses. Great. Well, you know our audience is uh, solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, freelancers. People are trying to kind of, there's two groups of people, people are trying to go from sort of one to ten. They want to amplify the stuff they're already doing. And people want to go from zero to one. They're in a desk job. they like, how do I get out of here and start my own thing? So let's start out with, Advice to people who want to go from zero to one, because so many people, there's this fear of taking the first step. Right, that first step was always the hardest, right? And people are always like, oh, you're such a risk taker. I'm like, I hate risk, man. I am terrified. And literally, it is terrifying, you know, taking that first step. Um, For me, it was easier because I got fired, but, you know, it, it really, it's about preparation. You know, if what, we all go through this process, and, and tell me what you think, Chase. I mean, sure. where you've got the idea. Right? And you get that feeling in your stomach and you yeah. get all excited, oh my God, then you talk to a friend. And the friend goes, oh wow, that's pretty cool. I never heard of anything like that. I'd buy that, right? And then you talk to some other people and then you do the Google search, right? <laughs> anybody else out is there? Is anybody yeah. else doing this? And you try 50 different ways, no one's out there. Well, the first thing I'll tell you is, just because you don't see it on Google doesn't mean 100 companies haven't gone out of business doing the same thing, right? It may not be out. There's a saying in basketball, you're open for a reason, which means you can't shoot so they're not guarding you, right? It hasn't been done for a reason because every company who's tried it has gone out of business. So the one thing I would tell you is be careful, 
But once you get past that, that stage, then what I always tell people is, one, is it something you love to do? Right? That's because so true, because it's going to get hard. Like just if you're really listening, it's going to get hard. And if you don't love what you're doing, then it's like that. When shit gets hard, that's when you're going to like, oh man, I'm, I'm going to fall in the towel. Right, right, because you don't know, right, yeah. and you don't have a sense for it. And, and I'm a real believer that each and every one of us has something we're good at, right? Sure. And you've got to figure out, is this something you're good at? You know, I've always been good at selling. I found out I, I, I wasn't into computers when I was a kid. Then I found out when I started started to teach myself how to code, it was like, oh, I like this. Right, and I, I literally I would sit there writing software, and I think, okay, I've been working two hours. I better get something to eat, and it's been 24 hours. You know, it's just like, <laughs> what the fuck? You know, <laughs> 24 hours. I mean, I okay. Um. <laughs> that tells you you're clued in. And it's not just what you care about. It's not just passion because you should. It's, the circles overlapping passion and aptitude, right? You want right. to be good at something just because you love basketball doesn't mean I'm going to be any good at right. it, right? Yeah, sure. For I mean, you can have fun at it, but if you're trying to make a business, a life, a living, uh, then you should. Yeah, and I always say, don't follow your passion. Follow your effort. Effort. Right. So you might think you're passionate about playing basketball, playing the guitar, drawing, design, whatever, but where you spend your time is your better indicator because that's typically what you're good at. And nobody ever quits anything they're good at. For sure. You know, it, when you're good at something, you, you tend to want to get better. That's what you lean into. So just take your introduction that I, I opened the episode with as a, as a clue here. There's so many things. And I'm finding that that's not just Mark Cuban or myself. I feel like so many people, now the way I, I talk about it is that we're all becoming hyphens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if our parents had one job, we will have five, and the next generation will have five at the same time. That's one of the reasons that Creative Life exists, because the education system you learn, yeah, right. currently doesn't actually provide for that. Right. So lifelong learning and the ability to pick up new skills along the way is critical. Most people that I know are scared shitless that, wait a minute, I'm, I'm, I'm cobbling together these incomes, but there's 50 or 100 people sprawled all over this place, um, and, and they are all doing all sorts of different things. We've got startups, people. I mean, again, how many companies are you invested in? How many, right. you're on a television show, you've got... Yeah, over 150 companies, right? Yeah, I mean, my attitude is we're all free agents, you know, and you're going to apply your time and your skill set, whatever that is, where it's almost a time arbitrage, right? Where in my personal time spectrum, if you want to get corny, um, where am I going to get paid the most, right? And then I'm going to try to sell that time. And hopefully there's somebody else whose time is worth more <laughs> who values me enough, right? Sure. And I, I mean, even at, at where I'm at, right? If, if there's somebody who values my time more than I value it and they're willing to pay me that much, I'm in, right? And when I was, look, when I got started, when, when I got fired, I was living six guys in a three-bedroom apartment. My time was worth this, right? And I worked as a bartender at night, and I did whatever I needed to do, and I wrote software and whatever I needed to, to write. But it's the same, it's same today. But the key is, what are you continuing to learn? What are you continuing to get good at? What can, you know, where can you sell and what can you do? I think that people, I'm just going to take a stab out there when people think of Mark Cuban, done it, made it, sit back, put your feet on the table. But I have, you know, again, in knowing you a little bit and, and in... Um, Hanging out some. Yeah, but, but also <laughs> in, in, in what, I, what I feel like I know about entrepreneurship and myself and my friends, that there's so much work that's going into your life right now. And oh, yeah. so talk to me about like there's there is the hustle and talk about the hustle for just a minute. I mean, I call it the grind, right? The hustle, yeah. the grind. It's nonstop. You know, I love to learn and I love to compete and I love to win. And there's nothing that upsets me more than 
you know, the opposite. Some junior high kid is going to kick my ass, right? So I say, I give speeches, talk about it all the time. You think you're going to kick my ass, but I'm going to outwork you. And outworking somebody isn't just about putting in the hours. It's about learning and, and being able to take everything you've learned and crunch it together and come up with something you know, more valuable. Like when you talk about, you know, give us, give us the key, right? And I say dollar sign and all these people are going to crunch different ideas with it. Who can put the best, the best idea together? You've got to all, you got to love to learn. And that's what I do. You know, um, the minute I get up to the minute I go to bed, unless I'm doing something else, I'm spending time trying to learn. I feel like that's one of the unsung things is sort of stamina, perseverance and stamina. Mm -hmm. It's like you, you sort of outlast everybody, outwork, outlast, out hustle. And uh, I think so, so many folks, well, tell me, tell me why there is, um, tell me why, why is hustle a curse word to some people? Because they're lazy. Because <laughs> they're lazy. Okay, but this, this is they real. Don't wanna win. Look, either you want to win or you don't want to win. There you go. It, it's very competitive. I mean, business is the ultimate sport. But I'll, I've said this to our players over the years, right? Game's 48 minutes. You practice, even if it's five times a week, three hours a day. Maybe you work on your game another hour, two hours a day, and you're like all in if you do that. In business, it's 24 by 7 by 365 by forever, and you're competing with everybody. It is Business is the ultimate sport. There's nothing close. I've sat and told Mike, Michael Jordan, Dirk Nowitzki, Kevin Durant, all these people, like, you think you're competitive? You ain't shit, right? <laughs> you don't know what competition is. You have an off-season. In business, there's no off-season. There's no downtime. Are you kidding me? Every one of you watching out there, if you're napping, I'm kicking your ass. That's just the way it is. Right up. You know? Called you just, out right here. Yeah. Seriously, because, and it's not to say, you know, there's not more to life than just working all the time, because I love what I do, you know? And so if I'm reading about technology, if I'm reading about, you know, encryption, if I'm reading about whatever, big data, if I'm reading about uh, machine vision, machine learning, um, I know that I've built this base of knowledge and I can take machine vision, apply it to what I already know, and come up with something new. Right, so if you don't have that layer of knowledge and things you're really into, yes, you're way behind. You're way behind. So before I want to talk about some of the companies that you just sort of alluded to. Before we do, I got I want to follow up that that last statement. So how about um, when people there, there's a, a tendency to desire this work-life balance. I, I actually did something different. I created a life where the things that I love to do, work and life, just merge seamlessly. But I, is, is that a thing? I mean, is, it have you where done... you are in your life, right? Okay. Um, are you 22? Then work life is partying versus working, right? You know, are you 25? Then maybe relationships are in there a little sure. bit, right? Um, are you married? Do you have kids? Do you have a car? Do you have a rent? Do you have a mortgage payment, right? First of all, the more, the more payments you have, the less you want it. That's interesting. Okay. So you, there's, you... No, there's no financial balance. There's different types of balance. There is no financial balance. You have to live, if you want to start your own business, the minute you stop living like a student, then it's all about looking good as opposed to succeeding. So do you encourage people to live like a student? Like live, yeah. live, live lean and... Yeah, lean and mean, right? I mean, you live, mac and cheese is a staple of life. Ramen sure. noodles are, is a staple of life. Roommates are a staple of life. You know, having a beater car is a staple of life, right? I mean, you don't need to be a $100 millionaire. You know, you need to get to the goal. To me, that's incredible advice. That is like uh, operating lean, 
And again, that earlier question we re revisited, like if, if you're wondering if you've made it, you haven't. You haven't made it. Look, I haven't made it. People sure. are like, sorry, I mean, people are like, well, what, I yeah, what is it anyway? Yeah, right? I, I, people are like, I want to be the next Mark Cuban. I'm like, I'm not done being Mark Cuban, right? It's just like, you know, what do you, you know, you've done all this. I haven't done shit, right? It's just like, there's so much more. Um, you're only 29. You're just I know, getting started. I mean, trust me, I'm, I'm, in my mind, I'm 21. Um, but there's, there's just so much more because there's always opportunity. It, there's never a lack of opportunity. Never. If, if you don't think there's an opportunity there, you're an idiot, right? You haven't found it. And so it's not, it's not the opportunities, it's you, right? You know, it's like, I think that's a hard thing for people to Well, admit, yeah, it's right? like a relationship. Oh, no, it's not me, it's you. you know, it's not you, it's me. It's just, no, it's not. I mean, it's out there. It's just a question, have you dug in? Right? Have you found what it is you're wired to do? Because all of us are different. Let's talk about self-awareness. Mm -hmm. You know what you're wired to do. Yeah. How do people discover themselves? Is I'm there glad you brought that up. Self-awareness is probably one of the most important things that, most important skill sets, if you will, that anybody can have. Whether you're an artist, whether you're a designer, whether you're a politician, we see a lack of self-awareness in wow. a big way, right? Wow. Um, Don't you know, know. Or an entrepreneur. You gotta know what you're good at, you got to know what you're marginal at, and you got to know what you suck at, and you've got to find people who complement your skills, you know. And you got to know what type of thinker you are. You got to know how you work, you know. And once you start to understand who you are, then you can start finding places where you'll be successful, and you won't be you won't be lying to yourself. We, we entrepreneurs love to sell themselves and lie to themselves. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. Right. But you're, you're not all that until you're all this. you know. I talk about leaning into your strengths and not trying to fix your weaknesses. That's the way I hire. Agreed. I don't hire for lack of weakness. I hire for abundant strengths. I, I always partner with people who are good at what I suck at. What are you, what are you good at? What do you suck at? Um, what I suck at is being organized, right? Like my partners have been anal people. I yeah. always partner with people who are super anal because I'm like ready, fire, aim, and then there's somebody who has to keep me within the baselines, right? Um, that are organized and structured, and so I try to hire for that skill set. What I'm good at is taking new concepts and applying them to business. So whether it was in the early PC era, saying, okay, I'm connecting these things into local area networks and becoming one of the first local area networking integrators in the country, one of the first you know, people writing software for those applications, one of the first people doing streaming, if not the first, one of the first people um, doing high definition, um, you know, when, you just name it, right? Those are the things I try to do. Seeing around the corner a yeah, little bit. Yeah, seeing around the corner and then saying, okay, you know, is this a business? And maybe you know, trying to make that work. What gives you that insight? Is it a is it a character trait? Is it a no. learned? Yes, yeah, it's, it's effort. It's effort, yeah. and and is it pattern recognition? Is it reading the like the New York Times every morning? Is it? I mean, it's it's all the above. It's yeah. all the above, right? It's just you know loving to learn, right? To me, it's, it's amazing how all this stuff comes back to learning. Like, yeah, always. there's hustle, learning, and and if learning applied or hustle applied to learning is going to create this. Yeah, effort, look, the one thing and I say this to our basketball team. And it's the same for entrepreneurs. The one thing in life you can control, your effort. Brilliant. So let's segue into some of the businesses. Uh -huh. A lot of people know you from Shark Tank. I think that, that we'll, we'll get to that in a second because I feel like there's a lot of businesses there that um, you know, your investments are, you can't have 100, you can't spend time with 150 no. companies. No. But what are you spending time on? I know so, about Cyberdust. Right. I know about Cyberdust uh, is Ubeam. So, I know about a few. Right. Of these so my, my my structure, the way I work is right. I've got 150 plus businesses, but I've got a lot of great people who work for me, and with all those, almost all those businesses, 
<clears throat> I get weekly or bi-weekly reports, bad news first, right? Because if I've invested in you, I expect good news, right? I, don't, I, I expect you to do good things. You can write them in the email and tell me we closed this deal and I'll say congrats, but that's what I expect. When you have bad news, that's where I can help. Right, so bad something's news first. yeah. Bad news always first. Let's get it out of the way because that's what you're stressing about. Save the high fives for later. Right, yeah. because one of my other sayings, and you're getting into all my sayings now. If you want to be successful, um, working for an entrepreneur or working for anybody, reduce the stress of those around you. That's exactly how I measure it. Utility. Are you indisposable? And if you are, I'll do anything to keep you. Right, but the pro if you think you're indisposable, you never are. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is a recurring theme. Yeah, sure. no I, will, I will tell you if you are. and you, yeah. You'll know, right? You'll know because I'm coming to you to give you a raise. Yes. You don't have to ask. You know, If you think you're indispensable, you are not indispensable. If you think you're indispensable, I would bet any amount of money that you create more stress than you reduce because a lot of people measure their indispensability by how much stress is around them because they figure if there's all kinds of stress everywhere, I must be indispensable. We're because, hustling, yeah. yeah, there's so much stress, who else could deal with all this? And the reality is, if in your job there's not a lot of stress, and things that means things are working smoothly. And those are That's, the people, you try and put yourself around people who help you run smoothly. Yeah, because I don't want stress. You know, I worked my ass off to get here so I'd have less stress, not more. So anybody who creates stress, I mean, I had one guy who worked with me for a long time, I kept on telling him, less stress, less stress. And I'm loyal, right? I'm very loyal to a fault. Less stress. And it finally got to a point, you gotta go. You create so much stress for everybody around you, it's killing us. That's right? an amazing way of measuring just raw output, like raw, stress. it's working or not working. It's yeah. like Are you creating stress? And you know, now people start working for me. Like I'm, not a, I'm a micromanager at the beginning and once I trust you, just give me my weekly reports and you're good. So go back to work, so, work habits. So you're, you're, you, you like to receive weekly or bi-weekly so, so for updates. me, right, so I'm learning, you know, I've got a few companies though, so what am I focusing on? Like, you being Meredith Perry, she's, she's the rocket scientist, she's doing her own thing. And right? for those of you who don't know Meredith Perry, he's worth Ubeam, which is uh, wireless. Wireless power. Power. Yeah, and you can Google it, and then I'll let her speak for it because. Uh, yeah, she's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but I've got, you know, everything from non-tech companies like Access TV, which is all high definition, like music geared, um, geared towards um, probably uh, Gen X, not even millennials, right? Um, but we got tons of concerts, tons of music shows. We got a great show coming with David Hasselhoff, which is the craziest show ever. You're bringing back the Hoff? The Hoff is coming back. Oh, and he's, it's all Hoff all the time <laughs> type show where he just does this crazy, crazy stuff, right? That, and puts himself in a crazy situation. Internet memes, prepare yourself. Yeah, right? no, it's, good. it's off the charts, right? So Access TV takes up a chunk of my time. Um, I've got this little company we were talking about earlier called Alyssa's Healthy Cookies, right? This sounds it's, dangerous. It, no, it's amazing, right? And so, so good. Not, you know, you talk about reducing stress. I'm one of these people who have food issues. <laughs> you know, I try to stay in good shape. You look shape. great, by the No, way. I've been working out a lot, right? Yeah. And it's Alyssa's Healthy Cookies. I'm right. no lie. So I, I've got a sweet tooth. I've got... I get sweet cravings, and if the Mavs lose the game, all I want to do is eat junk, right? Um, which, unfortunately, lately has been happening a lot. Um, <laughs> Come on, guys. We're coming tonight. We're getting you. Um, but Alyssa's healthy. Cookie, this guy, um, her daughter's name is Alyssa. His name is um, his daughter's name is Alyssa. Her, um, her name, his name is Doug. Um, sent me a cookie, right? And I'm not encouraging people to just send me food, but caught, caught me at the right time. <laughs> oh, that's just like a And then it happens, okra. right? I get right. salsas, marinaras, this and that, all oh, the family sure. recipe. 
But I'm like, okay, this looks interesting because I looked at the nutrition on the back and it was this huge cookie for 190 calories. But, and it was great, but the problem was every time you took it out of the wrapper, it would crumble. So I told them, remanufacture them, put them in a plastic little container, and make them more like macaroons, like bigger macaroons. and Bite-sized. Yeah, bite-sized, but big, you know, enough. Um, and so he, he made them, and so now he makes these containers of, of eight that are only 350 calories for all eight cookies, 16 grams of fiber, you know, four um, net carbs, tons of, you know, 200% of your protein requirements for the days. And so every morning, literally, I eat these Alyssa's Healthy Cookies um, for with, breakfast. With coffee. Yeah, coffee or tea or whatever, right? And then if I need a snack, I pound them. I literally, I take, in my bag that I carry in my laptop, I have a little section that's nothing but the little containers. The list. So, so business-wise, right, it's one thing if it's just for me. So um, we put some, he had been selling in some local health stores in Florida. We put some in a local supermarket, Central Market in Dallas. And they just started selling out. And just in one supermarket chain, which just, you know, in Texas, that's it. He was doing hundreds of thousands of dollars. Then we added another, then another. And so this past year, he did almost $3 million in cookies. In cookies. In cookies at like huge margin. This year, we add, we're adding Publix. We're adding all these huge grocery stores, um, Kroger's. Um, so ask for Alyssa's Healthy Cookies. And it's on Amazon, Amazon exclusives. Um, and he'll sell, he, he literally can sell $10 million worth in of cookies. cookies. Yeah, and he's got he's got the oatmeal type and he's got the vegan type. So there's a lesson here. Put a pin. I'm gonna put a pin in like three or four things. I want to keep going at the same uh -huh. time. One of these pins is so he made a prototype. If you're wondering where to put your effort out there, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, like put it into a prototype because then you have something. And then he found a local health food store to sell some. There you go, and sent one to you, and then you can work on it and you can iterate from there. And that he got sales. He got had some success, right? Yep. So then the next question is, if I start, what do I do first? You find customers. Right, customers give you the ultimate feedback. Sales is the ultimate feedback, right? So he put him in the local health food store. He did fairly well, but he couldn't get local grocery stores to carry him because the complaint was they fell apart. So he got some help from me. Boom, took off. Another so, one that's got talk technology for a second. Mm -hmm. So we've talked about some of the, 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 the access stuff. stuff. Then we got some, some non-tech stuff like cookies. Talk about the technology. So, so Cyberdust is Cyberdust. Right. So, I had a little battle with the SEC and the U.S. government, and in that battle, somebody got a hair up their ass and decided they wanted to mess with me. And there's a discovery process when they sued me, and they took every email I had, which was fine, and if I said the sky was green, they tried to twist it around. Oh, you knew we'd be looking. You were just trying to mislead us, right? I'm like, this is ridiculous. You're in a no-win situation when you're in an adversarial situation. And so then I started looking at social media and everything, and you realize very quickly, or I realize very quickly, and this applies to everybody, the minute you hit send on an email, the minute you hit send on a text, and it doesn't matter if it's a Twitter DM, an Instagram DM, whatever, right? You don't own it anymore. So when I send Chase an email, no matter what it says, Chase, you get that email, you own it. You send me an email, I now own that email, I now own that text, I can do anything I want with it. It Forever. Is, Forever. Not just six weeks, not just six months, not just six years. It can be 30 years, right? And not only that, I can use it in any context I want. That social media and digital footprint that we have, communications, digital footprint, scared the shit out of me. 
Okay. Right? And it should scare the shit out of everybody because even the most benign thing could be used against you. So does that mean, do you, are you asking us to not participate in this stuff then? No, it's not, it's not that you don't participate, right? Okay. It's just that you have to be very careful, right? There, there's a place for email. We sent emails yes. back and forth. Of course. But um, there, so I created this messaging app called Cyberdust. And what Cyberdust does, it has two, several unique features. One, when you send the message, it's encrypted. That's, that's not a big deal now for 99% of the population, but if you're doing big business deals, if you're exchanging technology, if you're exchanging designs and you want to protect them, that could be a big deal, right? Because you never know. Um, but more importantly, after the message is read, it disappears forever, right? So if you and I exchange messages using the Cyberdust app, once I've read it, or 24 hours, whichever comes first, if I, if I don't get to it, it's gone forever. Now, people say, well, nothing's ever gone forever. It's on the internet. This is gone forever. The NSA. It's not, it's not the sitting NSA. on servers, huh? So on our server, right, it goes to our server. It's not peer-to-peer. -peer. It's only in random access memory. So ah. if, we pull the, if we pull the switch on the server, if we get raided and we pull the switch, it's gone. Just like on your laptop, if you turn off anything that's in memory, gone. It doesn't get cached. doesn't get anywhere. We've got a patent on it. And it's the same thing on your, your phone, your tablet, whatever. It doesn't, it's not stored to any permanent storage device. So if, if you send me a message and I turn off my phone or I just click out of the app, close the app, it's gone forever. So are you excited about messaging or are you excited about cyber security? Because messaging... Oh, they go I, hand in hand. Okay. The messaging, I think, is it's going to replace the browser. It's, oh, a, it's, it's already a, blowing up, right? Yeah, and so it, and we're adding features to Cyberdust that... that um, relate to that, right? So on one hand, we can send messages and you know millions of messages are being exchanged every day. Um, and then we also had what we call blasts. So there's one-to-one, -one, and then there's groups for to one to 120. Your company or right, whatever. Whoever, right, groups, buddies, whatever, um, talking about whatever. I mean, like we'll have fraternities use it now, <laughs> right? Sororities use it now for group messaging because you know something gets taken out of context, you see it every day. You know, Evan Siegel from Snapchat, his old email or his old listserv stuff, you know, came back from, from college days. And it happens to a lot of people. So one-to-one, -one, the messages are gone. Groups, the messages are gone. One-to-many is what we call blast. So, like, I have 412,000 followers on Cyberdust. And so I, just, I can take a picture here or I could create a message and send it to all 400,000 people. And they can even re-blast it, which is kind of like a retweet, yep. and send it to their followers. So it kind of takes up. But once it gets looked at, it disappears. How's it different than Snapchat? Let's call it the obvious. Well, yeah, well, Snapchat... Is it, just, is it, is it Snapchat for business? Is that what Well, it's kind of, you know, Snapchat is more geared towards kids, and this is, our audience is typically... You can't put a, a fart on it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we are. It, it's more, yeah. It's like, you can do chat and Snapchat, but the, snap, the chat and Snapchat doesn't disappear, right? It's not safe, right? Anybody, you know, if you get sued, it can get subpoenaed, and it's going to show up. If you get sued, there's nothing for us to convey. Right. And so this was in, I always tell entrepreneurs, and my own experience matches this, is the only reason I would give this advice is that scratch your own itch. Mm -hmm. And because when shit gets hard, you're going to actually want to solve the problem. You want to solve it for yourself and your friends. And so was this, this a direct is descendant? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. So I use it for business. Mm -hmm. Right. I use it if I'm talking about an employee. Right. So you know, you have employees. Very, right? Yeah. Very the hardest thing ever is if someone asks for a recommendation or you're trying to have a conversation about an employee, should we fire yeah. them? Should we fire her? Yeah, Should this we not is very, very sensitive stuff. Very sensitive. And you know if that person thinks they're fired unjustly, you know, and so the best way to describe Cyberdust isn't a way to avoid something. It's like a face-to-face -face conversation. So if you and I were standing out here having this conversation, there's no record of it. 
There, there's no one taking notes. There's no one recording it. It's off into the ether once we're done. Cyberdust is the digital version of a face-to-face -face conversation. I love that contextualization. That's powerful. And so Snapchat, so if you use the text part of Snapchat, uh -huh. you just tap it and save it. You can save everything, right? So just to prove a point, you know, I've done Snapchat, you know, um, text conversations with people, and you just tap it, you save it, and I've got conversations that are a year, two years old, right? Yes. And so that's the big difference. And so we've had you know, $100 million, $200 million deals, multiple big deals done on um, Cyberdust. You know, we've had all kinds of stuff, business done. And I've made you know, big decisions because these are things you don't want living on forever. And so there'll be times when I'm having, there's, and there's things you want to save, and I'll say, we'll go to email, right? And there's things you'll say, no, this is too sensitive. We'll go to Cyberdust. Powerful. So. I'm going to put, put a pause on the business conversation. I'm okay, wait, mention, let me add one more thing sure, on Cyberdust. Anybody who's watching, um, download Cyberdust, add me, my username, Blog Maverick. One of the other things that's happened on Cyberdust is there's a huge entrepreneurial community. Because the thing about privacy is it creates honesty. When you, you know, if you try to put something on Twitter, Twitter's no longer a social network, right? Because it's so troll driven, yeah. right? Because, you know, if you blast something on Cyberdust or you have a conversation on Cyberdust, not everybody sees our conversation. And because of that privacy and the fact that you know it's gone, you can have it real. Yeah, it's real. It's not, there's no trolls. You're not, you know, when you put something on Twitter, you know you're going to get attacked. When you put something on a comment section, even in Instagram, you know you're going to get attacked. When you put something even on Facebook, you know you're going to get attacked or someone's going to take it out of context. When you have a conversation with entrepreneurs, and there's a whole discover section. So you can go to the discover section, there's someone who wants to talk about automobiles, and there's someone who has a startup in this and startup in that, and you can just message them and have a fair conversation. Now, you know, you, we can't stop screenshots, and that's a question that always comes up on Apple devices. Yes. We alert you like Snapchat does, but more importantly, it doesn't show your name, right? So if there's a conversation you and I are having saying, you know, well, I love, I love um, Creative Live, I'd like to make an investment, whatever, right? And someone screenshots that as part of a group, there's no, there's no clue, there's no tracing where it came from. And oh, so it doesn't say that, that Mark, Mark and Chase. Mark no. You have, there's no identification whatsoever. Got it. You have to actually tap the top of the message to see who it was, and it creates a whole separate thing. Um, so all that privacy creates honesty. Honesty creates better conversations. And so it's really grown into a great networking environment. And you, like I said, if you download Cyberdust, add me at Blog Maverick, I'll answer your questions, and I'll forward you to other people who can answer questions too. That's cool. So it's really cool. Thank you yeah. for that access. Speaking of access and speaking of privacy, uh -huh. uh, I want to put a pin in the business stuff for a second because a, a lot of what my goal in these conversations is to extract really actionable stuff. Uh -huh. So this has very, been very inspirational. Let's talk about some of your personal habits. Like you talked about how you work, your work style. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about like morning routines. Like what? Are, are there... exactly what I do, right? Please okay. Do. So get Aside up. Aside from the cookies, you're yeah. making me no, hungry. No, the cookies brother. are the, go, are go on, hand brother. in hand, right? <laughs> um, so get up, get my kids off to school, um, you know, get the kisses and the hugs, put on CNBC on the TV, get my cookies, get my tea now because I'm trying to get off a of coffee. I was drinking Good too work. much coffee. Good work. Um, I New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Financial Times, sitting right there. Um, try to get through them. Do you, then, do you love paper paper? It's just change. Yeah. It's not that I love paper, right? So if I don't have access to them, I don't mind going online. Sure. It's just variance, okay. right? So I, you know. Don't want to have too much screen time. Yeah, because right? I'm staring it. at a screen all day long, sure. right? Um, and so go through those. And then literally, I'll take it back to Cyberdust. On Cyberdust, because we have those blasts, right? We also have, we, we've added all these RSS feeds. You talk about scratch your own itch, right? Yes. So there's 
2,000 different publisher feeds that you can subscribe to and it just sends them to me. So I get my um, Tech Meme is a website I like um, that sends tech headlines, um, NextWeb, TechCrunch, Mashable, um, Krebs on security. You know, there's just 50 of them, right? That and you I take have those to. in every morning. And so what happens is on Cyberdust, it shows up under the blast and I, you tap on it and then you just flip through and when there's something that's interesting, I click to read, which saves me time from having to go to the website and go through it or having to get the email and go through all of them. And so it's just faster, more efficient. So I go through those and then um, typically whatever I have to do. I'm not a meetings guy, right? The only time I'm gonna do a meeting, unless it's something like this, or you're writing me a check. You're writing me a check. <laughs> I'm I'll happy show to it. show up. I'm happy to show up. Otherwise, you're there. So hi, Jess, Chase, how the kids? What's going on? Same with phone calls, right? It's just not efficient. And so I'll push you to Cyberdust or I'll push you to email. And I prefer Cyberdust, again, to sell my own book, but um, I prefer Cyberdust because I have to deal with it right away. Email, you put in your tickler file, and, you oh. know, I just keep it as unread. And it Mine stays looks like a pile of hangers, man. Right, right, right. Up. That's exactly right, a pile of hangers. It's a great way to put it. And so with Cyberdust, I just blaze through them, right? Because if I, once you open it, if you don't deal with it right then, it's a great gone. forcing function it's for exactly right. for busy exactly people. Right. So then, then I'll go in and I'll get to my email and I'll hit delete as much as, I literally will delete, I'll get 500 emails overnight and I'll delete 90% of them. And then I'll just go- Just on subject just line. Just subject and, line or whatever, right? Just people who get my email and just want to pitch me whatever. Um, I'll, you know, I can see with the, the um, paragraph, the, the, the um, preview. The intro, yep. Yeah. Look at the preview and say, eh, 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 eh. then I'll deal with the ones that I have to. I, you know, and as I said earlier, I get my weekly reports that, and they're staggered. So um, I'll deal with any of the issues I have to deal with, and then that takes me to lunch. <laughs> sure. So you're you're really focused on the first half of the day of getting the heavy lifting out of the way, all, the way. all, all that stuff. Do you, um, if you don't take meetings and you you focus on the like the to-do list in the morning, the stack of shit that came in overnight, mm -hmm. when do you take care of your biggest and most important stuff? Deal that, making. The, all, all that stuff is all hand it's in hand. All, all right okay. there. Yeah, because I don't do phone calls. I don't do meetings. So, you know, all the people say, oh, Mark, I just need 20-minute call. No. Whatever you were going to tell me in a phone call or in a meeting, you get your thoughts together and you put it together in an email or you send it to me it via cyber. It forces sort of directness and right them to be organized and get right to the point I can get right to it and if there's something that's untold or something I think is missing okay I'll, I'll get on the phone or do a meeting or whatever but 99.99 percent of the time that does the trick so communicating in a written fashion super critical uh, is is there a like, do you have a personal routine that is about like getting away and refresh and rejuvenate do you have yeah I mean yeah I've got a lot of that actually so well, there's yeah, let's, let's, so there's Mark Cuban and there's the rest of the world. Why don't you tell us what Mark Cuban does and right. then tell well, that, us and, what, yeah. if you have some advice for the folks. Well, yeah, for me, like, my most stressful time right now is Mavs game, right? That's where you see me go nuts and everything. You know, Fine by the, the NBA. Because that, that's, to me, where I let out all my stress. Um, that's one element. Um, the other time is I'll find time to work out. So I'll have some favorite TV shows, like I watch The Walking Dead or Billions or you know, House of Cards. And, oh man, that new season. Woo. Yeah, I know. And so it's just like, um, I'm never going to just lay in bed to do that and just watch TV. So I'll always make sure I'm working, I'm on the elliptical when I'm doing that. So that gets me an hour of, of cardio in. And then a couple times a week, I'll try to go play pickup basketball. And before we have a Mavs game, um, a home game, I'll always work out and try to get out on the court and shoot. Because 
hey, there's nothing better than having your own arena and getting out there <laughs> and shooting buckets. All know. right, so that's Mark Cuban. Give us some, some real-world advice. Do you find, and it kind of, like, I'm not trying to look for work-life balance, but do you think sort of rejuvenation, you talk about burning stress, is that an important part of Yeah, you've got to have an outlet. I mean, there's no question. You have to have something that works for you, whatever that is. Um, you know, there, there's, but you've got to, I always look at it, here's the goal, right? Whatever I need to do to get to that goal, that comes first. That's priority one. Right. And part of self-awareness is understanding, okay, I'm beat, right? I'm tired, right? So there, there might be a day where, like, if I'm traveling, like, I slept in until 9 this morning, right? Or, and last night I stayed in. Instead of everybody going out and partying, I was, in, you know, I, I literally worked out at 10 to 11. Um, I had, you know, I had my, um, what, I watched Billions, and um, that's another one of my shows, and Walking Dead um, on my phone while I'm working out, crashed, got up, slept in some, feel, feel great, right? Rejuvenate. You gotta, you gotta recognize when you're not Your effective. Self. Right, yeah. right. And so I push myself till I can't go, then I catch up, and then I start again. I think that's very helpful. There's, there's the, the flip side of working really hard and being like so driven is that you can do really bad work when you're yeah, in the States. But, I mean, you've got to be able to work tired, right? You've got to be able to play. <laughs> you see these bags on yeah, my right? Yeah, right. Yeah, you know what, it, you know what I'm saying, right? Um, like, players know at the end of the game, at the, you know, the fourth quarter is where you make your money. And business is no different. And you've got to be able to play through tired legs. You've got to know how to shoot the ball while you're tired, right? And so you'll see some guys who, sh you know, score 15 points in the, fourth, in the first quarter and some guys who can short, score 15 points in the fourth quarter. And the better players can do it in the last three minutes when everybody's exhausted, but they're playing as hard as they can. Business is no different, right? You've got to recognize when it's closing time. You've got to recognize inflection points where you will make or lose your company, your business. And at those point in times, you can't be thinking about rejuvenation. It doesn't matter, right? You've got to know when the game's on the line and be willing to just fight through the ex ex exhaustion, right? When you have a deadline, you know, um, when you're stressed, there's just times when you can't rejuvenate, you know, so there's true. no spritzing. <laughs> yeah. so there's no spritzing in building a business. Uh -huh. So you see a lot of deals, clearly, mm -hmm. thousands. Uh, how, important is, uh, how important is creativity? Like to, to us, like the, the idea, if, if a machine can do it, you shouldn't be overly focused on it. Right. But that, you know, that's the way I, I think, that's, that's the, sort of point. the basis of Creative Live. But what, like, how important is it to the, the things that you uh, support? Well, there, there's create, creativity means a lot of different things depending on the context. Yes, right? it does. So for me, I'm creative in terms of business. That's right? why you're on the show, man. Right. So I can come up with new approaches to ideas. I can sit, my, one of my best skill sets, I think, is being able to talk about, put, put me in a discussion about any business. I don't care how technologically advanced it is. I don't care if it's the cookie business. I'll figure it out like that. And I'll be able to understand where the pain points are and where the upside is. And I'll drill. That's my creativity. You want me to design a logo? No, no, no. no. Cre that's creativity of the small C. We're talking about creativity of the big C. And that there's cre that, that is a core message of the show, of that there literally is creativity and genius in everyone. It's about unpacking. No, and I agree with that wholeheartedly, yeah. right? You so how important is it when you're looking at these ideas, uh, do ideas that have that sweet spot that you identified as your It depends on the entrepreneur at that point. So first of all, when I look at an idea, I have to say, what's the upside, right? How differentiated are they? How compelling is it? You know, um, what is their core competency? And can the entrepreneur realize those things? 
so that's part one. And so creativity in that within that context is, does the entrepreneur or entrepreneurs have the ability to create a solution, right? To grow that company and to keep moving forward, right? And keep expanding it. Not all are capable of doing that. Some, you know, you know, some people, you know, they might have done well in the first quarter of their life cycle, and they're not going to get to the fourth quarter. And it's hard to, as an investor, um, sometimes it's hard to recognize that. And I've, that's where you get burned more often than not because they've done a good job with the first couple steps, and they're not going to get to the rest. Do you bet on ideas or people? Um, it depends how much involvement I'll have, right? So with some ideas, I know if the entrepreneur is an idiot, which happens on Shark Tank some, um, <laughs> I can take the ball and run with Spoken it. Spoken the truth. Right? Um, yeah, there's been some real idiots on Shark Tank. And so you can't tell, like some, some inside baseball on Shark Tank, when they walk in the door, all we know is their first names, right? This is Chase and Mark. Okay. Then they go. We don't know anything else. Then if we agree to do the deal, and, and the second part to that is what's 10 to 15 minutes on air in the show might go two and a half hours. I'm aware of that timeline. <laughs> yeah. And so then it gets shortened, you know, it gets edited down. And if we make a deal, then we, the Sharks, have the opportunity to do due diligence. And so we'll dig into the company. But even in the due diligence process, you can't spend, you know, untold hours with the entrepreneur, you know. And, and it's typically because I've done so many Shark Tank deals, 70 plus, um, it's usually my folks that are doing that level of due diligence. Um, so sometimes, even after you say yes and you do your due diligence, comes back a no. Yeah, it comes. Well, sometimes 30% of the time, 35% of the time, it's a no and we don't invest. But even when you do invest, sometimes they turn out to be idiots. Um, and so I won't, you know, identify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I won't throw them under the bus. But yeah, so my goal hopefully is that if they're idiots, then I can take over the company and use my people to run it. And so I'll, I'll look for ideas if I think I could take the ball and run with it. If it's something outside my core competencies, then the idea doesn't matter. And then obviously, if I think the entrepreneur is great, then that's the best of both worlds. And so if what they sold me or what I invested in originally didn't quite pan out, then I trust them to pivot or hopefully, you know, we've, we've come to a, created a relationship where we can take it to another level. Let's take Shark Tank off the table and uh -huh. it sounds like you do, let's take the, the, the not so talented uh -huh. entrepreneurs out um, when you get deals that are handed to you or come across your deck very privately and personally, is that a different? Are you? Is it yeah, always absolutely. ideas? Or because very, I'm looking very for themes. I'm looking for relevant. Points. Yeah, I'm looking for something that can um, blow up in a big way, right? So I'm investing a lot in machine vision. Um, I've got a company, Motion Loft, that all they do is count things and identify things in front of in front of a video sensor. Um, I've got another company. Um, ranch, it's a horrible name, W-R-N-C-H, it's a Montreal company. <laughs> so but, French. <laughs> yeah, it's so true too. Um, but they're smart. Yes. Um, and if you um, know what Magic Leap is and all the, the AR stuff, they're a far less expensive version of, of Magic Leap and they're doing really, really amazing stuff. I've got another company, Sports Logique, another Montreal company, because McGill University does a lot of machine vision, so they, they train a lot of people that just tracks objects in sports, and, and right now they're big in hockey. And so just the theme like that, machine learning, um, artificial intelligence, trying to take these themes, and then with my foundation of knowledge and the people I have, I can invest in those companies as standalone, but also be able to apply them to what we're doing. Leverage, get some right. leverage. Yeah, in. another machine vision company, Netra IO, all they do is identify brands in, in images, but they can process them at 
tens of thousands a second. Wow. So they can go through anything that's public on Instagram or Facebook or any um, database of images that someone accumulates and say, okay, those are Gap jeans. You know, that's a so-and-so watch or that's a band from such-and-such such a brand, which for the brands is incredibly valuable. Wow. And then as now we're starting to get into a world of pre-processing so that when you're going to stream something or make it part of something else with an image or video, you want to be able to tag it for any thousand of different reasons, right? So, you know, those types of themes I look for because not only can they be standalone, but they're also leverageable for a thousand other things. We're inside of 10 minutes now. We're nine minutes left on my interview with you. And I want to go back to the personal because we can read a lot about you. Uh -huh. You're you're a reasonably public person. Yeah, reasonably, right? <laughs> Especially at a Mavs game. Yeah, everywhere. What what are some things that people don't know about you that they would be surprised about? I mean, I'm a dad first. Um, my my friends from high school and college are still my bed my best friends. Um, so there's family, strong family element, strong loyalty element. Yeah. My biggest, you know, mission in life now, and this goes to the work-life balance, right? I waited, right? I didn't get married. I mean, I had girlfriends. It's me, your company. It's like, what was your name again? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I made that choice, that conscious choice, and so, you know, I waited till I was in a good financial position so that I could focus on family and I could, you know, focus on different things. Um, what else? Love to play basketball still. Horrible piano player. Can't sing. Terrified of heights. Terrified of heights. Horribly. Horribly. From the time I was five years old, my dad tells a story. The first time he ever took me to a baseball game, we had tickets in the cheap seats. And by the time I got to the second level of the stadium, I was screaming and crying. And I mean, I've had friends take me on roller coasters like 10 straight times. And yeah, it's just like, wow. It's, it's just, yeah, it's crazy. In a world where you can literally buy anything and you're Mark Cuban, what are things that you value that you can't just Time. buy? Time. Time. It's, you know, it's the one thing you'd never own. It's, and it's the one thing we all have the same amount of, roughly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, it's, I, I recognize that it's the most valuable asset I'll never own that, that I try to be the most judicious with. Um, yeah, and time with my kids and trying to appreciate them and trying to raise them not to be entitled jerks and their health. Um, what else? That, no, man, that's, that's like, I think time, the fact that time and that you are judicious with your time. That and I'm not as I should be, right? Because <laughs> no matter well, what you do, you feel like you're wasting it, right? But I think that's also another thing. Like, so do you have like fears and, you know, every once in a while, oh, yeah. I, 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 it, um, Stuart Butterfield Slack, one of the fastest growing startups in the world right now, you know, uh, worth billions. And I just um, heard, heard Stuart talk in a small group and he said, I'm, more paranoid now than when my company wasn't working. Right. And so I think that, that the folks at home believe that if they're stressed out or they're hustling and it's not working. It's a different type of stress, right? Climbing up the mountain is a whole different level of stress because you've got this goal. You're trying to get up the mountain, right? And you've just got this, this single focus of trying to do it. And then when you're there, you realize that, okay, I'm there, but now everybody's trying to kick my ass. You know, so it's a, everybody's coming after you, which is when you're chasing somebody, it's a different set, set of stresses than when you're being chased. You know, it's the NBA versus the NFL. You look at the NFL, 20 years ago, the franchises were leaving in the middle of the night. They were a mess. You know, for a variety of different reasons, things change. And now, you know, they're being chased. And you just see how everybody bangs on them, bangs on them. 
in the NBA, we're chasing them in some respects in terms of audience and, and things like that. And growth. And growth, yeah. No, we're growing faster, but they're just so much bigger, right? Okay. Um, but all that said, they're still the king of the mountain and, and when it comes to sports, entertainment, TV, and you know, people just want to take shots at them, including me, right? And so it's a different set of stresses. Daily fantasy sports, they're cranking along. Everybody thinks they're killing it. And then, you know, some idiots in government come along and, and change it for them like that. And so when you're climbing up the mountain, when you're chasing success, when you're trying to establish yourself, that's one set of stresses that is, over, is you know, overwhelming or, or very, it's considerable. But when you're at the top, you're, you, you're looking down and you see more things, you know, you're more cognizant of everything around you and that creates a unique set of stresses that is difficult as well. But I'd rather be at the top. <laughs> it's easier to manage the stress. Yeah, I would say it's easier to manage, but you the know, it's a the worst set. case, it's a different, well, you know what the difference is? What's the worst that can happen, right? One of my businesses fails, I'm you, okay. You, you think you're gonna be okay? Right. You pull through? When I was starting off, when I'm living six guys, sleeping on the floor, it's like, oh shit. You know, the worst case is no place. Okay, yeah, it's like, all right, I can still bartend, I can still sell, and you're thinking in your mind, well, if this doesn't work, literally, I, I remember, all right, you know, this company is hiring, should I take that job? You know, because I'm not sure. This is only, we've only been in business three months, and it's okay, but I'm, it's not like I'm killing it. You know, give, give me one more thought on risk. Like, it, it, basically, that's what we're talking about right now. I'm risk averse. Risk averse. I'm, I'm very risk averse. So is there is the advice to to freelancers and entrepreneurs to not take risk? Or no, is the, the advice... risk is to be prepared, right? You re, the more prepared you are, the less risk there is. Most people think, you know, I'm just going to wing it, and that's why it's risky. You know, I'll, I'll I'm OCD in that I'm diving in, learning everything I can. If in order you, to be prepared. To... Yes. If you walk in the room and you don't know more about your business and industry than everybody else, it's a problem. Someone's going to kick your ass. That person who knows more isn't saying, here comes Chase. I'm just going to let him beat me and put me out of business. Another reason to scratch your own itch because you have to want to know everything about the things that you care about because if someone like Mark Cuban come in and kick your ass. Know, know more than you in five minutes, that's a real problem. Yeah, and so if someone else knows more than you do about your business or, or industry, what are you doing? How can you think you're prepared? How can you think you're not going to lose, right? Other than arrogance, right? Arrogance will shoot a business down faster than anything. And so, you know, I'm smarter, I'm better, I'm this. That's why I hate doing business in Silicon Valley. You know, that's why I try to avoid Y Combinator companies. And I've done a couple, and, but I have to DY Combinator them because the arrogance factor is way up here, right? The look over your shoulder for the next big deal, way up here. The get in and grind, way down here, right? The look for the next... One other thing that I think is critically important for this audience. The one, the, the one thing you should try to avoid at all costs is raising money. Powerful medicine. Right. Equity, sweat equity is always the best equity. If you can live like a student, if you can just make your investment, your time and your effort and your brain cells, right, you have a far better chance of succeeding because nobody gives you money. It doesn't matter if it's me, a bank, or anybody out of charity. You know, they everybody want wants something at some point. It may be five years, it may be 10 years. I'll give you a perfect example of that. Box.net, right, or box.com now, right? Aaron Levy sends me an email, 2005, so more than 10 years ago. <laughs> I gave him 250 grand because I was a, a customer. You're talking about scratching your own ass. And they were charging me. It was like 80 bucks a month to get storage and they gave me more storage than everybody, 2005. This is great. 
So when he said asking me for money, I'm like, I love it because you have revenue. Well, within two years, um, less than that, probably a year, they had, they're in Silicon Valley and they're talking to um, venture capitalists who want them to just attack the market. And they brought in somebody who wants them to just give it away and eat the loss. And I'm like, you're gonna end up spending tens if not hundreds of millions of dollars to do tens of millions in revenue. I don't like that's that. That's backwards. Yeah, that's backwards and I'm gonna get diluted to nothing. So I said, just give me my money back. Take, you know, I didn't even ask for schmuck insurance. I'm like, Aaron, you're gonna go a different way. More power to you. Now my, I got my 250 grand back. He went on, you know, now they have a billion and a half market cap. I think I've made, you know, I probably would've made $2 million because I would've been diluted to nothing. Um, I've made more of that money then, but just the stress, the, you know, just the taking money and just continuing to take money changed who they are. So by the end of it, Aaron owns 4% of it, you know, that's still decent money, whatever it is, right? But yes. 4% of a billion and a half is $60 million. But he had a far better idea that if he just didn't chase it and chase you know, investment, he could have been worth a lot more, a whole lot more. Um, Do you have any belief? Like, I just, I'll throw myself onto the bus here. So I led with, we made a profitable business out of Creative Live. We bootstrapped it, zero dollars yeah, in, you guys, had yeah. a super profitable business. We wanted, we decided to grow faster and we took venture, but after we had proven them all, yeah, had yeah. a profitable but, business. But then your valuation is going to be different than what you we give can, up, yeah. We can write our own terms. Yeah, that. that's exactly right. So then you're okay with come, that and Yeah, because people are coming to you. Yes. Now the best situation is you don't need it, right? And you just grow organically and you just put all the money in your pocket. It's like, that was my first company. And you know, even broadcast.com, I funded most of it and it was only until we had people coming to us willing, wanting to give Bingo. us money that it was on our terms. Yes. You know, and so... Um, and then everything else since then I've funded myself for the most part, um, except when people wanted to give me money. Um, so yeah, so sweat equity is always the best equity. The next best version of equity is customer equity where you get customers coming in and buying from you and that's how you're funding your growth because that's a reinforcing and you get to keep the equity. Third is using Kickstarter, Indiegogo as a way to support you. The last thing on the list <laughs> is venture capital money. And that's from? A capitalist. Yeah. From a venture yeah, capitalist. Yeah, from a venture capitalist, right? And I'm more seed angel funding, but yes. Um, because they're not giving it to you for charity. And the minute you take that money, that's, that does, that's not the start, right? That, I take, that's when not, you, that's yeah, not, that's, that's that's not that, the win, right? Yeah, that's not the win, right? That's when the obligation really starts. You thought you had an obligation to grow and build your business before you took money from a, a, a venture capitalist, vulture capitalist? <laughs> You, you, you have no idea. And so many people, particularly in Silicon Valley, they, they, they party, I just raised X amount from so-and-so. Like, it, like it's Woo. an accomplishment. You don't understand. When you raise money from me or anybody else, it's not a, an accomplishment, it's a reference of failure. That's the first time you failed because you couldn't wow. do it organically, right? Now, you don't want to go out of business, so you take the money and that's fine, right? Because the option, you know, given the binary option of fail or take another crack at it, you take the money. But you failed. You literally have failed because you couldn't grow your business organically. You couldn't get customers that were willing to pay you. You couldn't get enough of them, right? You couldn't keep your costs under control. People have such an overinflated value proposition on themselves. You're paying people too much. And you hear it all the time. It drives me nuts. We just hired the best so-and-so who used to be at bam, 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 bam startups. If they were all that good, they would have been through bam, 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 bam startups. Or even the one or two that went public or one or two that, you know, and then Part five to that, let's just say you're having some success. Well, we're not gonna go public because we don't want the scrutiny. 
go fucking public. Go public, go public, go public. Because you're, you're ignoring your employees when you don't, right? You might be able to take money, which I hate. It's like the ultimate Ponzi scheme, bring in new investors to pay the, the, um, the owners, right? The, the founders of the company, but the employees don't get paid, right? And um, you know, go public so everybody has some liquidity. Your investors, your employees, your friends and family, whoever it is. Um, and I, I, it just drives me crazy that people don't. And I think that hurts the economy. When broadcast.com went public, um, and then when we sold the next year, we, out of 330 employees, 300 became millionaires, at least on paper. And of those 300, million, 300 millionaires, I tried, got as many of them as I could to hedge, right, when they were allowed to hedge, so they, they kept it. And so it turned out really, really well. You don't hear the stories anymore of such and such a company had 100, 500, 1,000, 5,000 employees when they went public, and X 90% became millionaires or better now. Right, because I'm talking, you know, 15, 20 years ago. You don't hear those stories anymore. You don't. You're right. And that's horrible. That's one of the reasons people sign up to go, go work real hard is to be able to cash out. Get yeah. that end game, right? Yeah. I mean, and you know, you talk about self-awareness in Silicon Valley. It's just horrible. So you know, I so when I make those investments, I try to extract the Silicon Valley out of them. I try to wipe clean the Y Combinator. Oh wait, and that, since I'm on a roll, right? Yeah, you're crushing right now. Just, ta -da. Business, business plan competitions. <laughs> Don't do them. Well, I take that back. It's okay to do them because you might win some money. But if you come in third out of 1,700 business plans, nobody cares. If you come in first out of a business plan competition at your school, your region, your whatever, nobody cares. It doesn't mean anything. Right. It doesn't mean anything, right? You just, out of, the, out of the, all the options, the judges happen to like yours more. Now, if you walk out of there and the judge says, I'll write you a check for $100,000, great, right? Or better yet, I'll be a customer and I'll spend $100,000. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> then that's good, right? So when people say, yeah, I entered this business plan competition and I won third and I won $1,500 or $15,000, that's great, right? But how many of the judges gave you money? How many people became customers? How many people bought, paid for and bought your product or used it enough you know, where, where they created revenue for you? The next one is accelerators. I got into this accelerator. Yeah, they just took 6% or whatever and they give you 150 grand and you get to work here with all these other people who got put into this accelerator. There's accelerator inflation, right? When it, the early days of Y Combinator weren't bad, right? Nice. It was Be a powerful vehicle. Yep. Because there was just one of them, right? And they were really picky and they weren't arrogant yet. It was just a good idea. Um, now, there's an accelerator for coffee cups. There's an accelerator for best plants, right? <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. And so you've got to really, it goes to the self-awareness point. You know, you can't say, I am in an accelerator. I've accomplished something. You haven't. That is the start. It, not only is it just the start, it's also an admission you can't do it by yourself. And not that you have to do it by yourself and not that there aren't resources available that can be good, right? I'm not trying right. to distract, detract from that. But at the same time, the cost to create, you know, and they're typically geared towards technology companies, right? The cost to create a technology company, you need a phone, probably a laptop or a desktop, decent internet connection, and an Amazon or some, you know, some, um, some cloud, yeah, yeah, some cloud connection. That's it. That's it. 
if you have a job with a tech company, you could probably steal all that, yeah. <laughs> right? And do something rather than nothing is the thing that I get yeah. back to all the time. That's the zero to one group that's like, what do I, you're paralyzed. You will find, you will learn by doing. Just, yeah, teach yourself to code. If you go through the process of learning how to just do JavaScript, just teach yourself JavaScript, just start creating things. You'll find one of those things could be, okay, that's, that's the start of something. And then you'll have something to show. And then you'll have a, a jump off point to go from zero to one. But you gotta do it, right? To your point, you've gotta do something. Do something instead of nothing. I know better than to try and stop you when you're on a roll, but I wanna be respectful <laughs> of your time today, it. brother. And uh, anything you wanna tell the folks at home before we- uh, Just a reminder, enjoy? download Cyberdust. It's an, even in Windows Store, Apple, Android. Add me at Blog Maverick, B-L-O-G-M-A-V-E-R-I-C-K. Add me at Blog Maverick on there. Ask me questions. I'll follow, do any of the follow-up, anything between Chase and I, if there's something you didn't think was answered, I'll answer it for you. Gratitude. Thanks, brother. Chase, buddy, Appreciate really it. enjoyed it. Thank you. That's about a wrap. Uh, thanks a lot for tuning in. We will see you next time. All right, that about wraps it up. But before I let you go, I want to say, A, a huge thank you. B, let you know how to find me. I'm basically at Chase Jarvis all over the internet on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I'm very active on Snapchat. You guys should check it. If that's a platform that you enjoy, uh, check me out there, as well as all the other ones. It's a super important ask for you to share this also. Uh, subscribe via iTunes, SoundCloud, and or Stitcher. And most definitely, if you're willing to put in a little bit of extra juice, please leave a review on iTunes. That helps make our podcast more visible. Last place that you can check it out and, and get some additional value is in my newsletter, which is chasejarvis.com slash VIP. That is where I put content out before it hits my social platforms. So that's sort of the insider track. Leave comments all over the internet for me. I will track them down and respond as best I can. And uh, again, huge thank you for listening to the podcast. And I'm looking forward to the next episode already. I hope you'll join me next time.